0: Welcome to the Happy Valley Baptist Church Sermons Podcast. We are so glad that you have decided to listen to the message that God has brought through Brother Tar Henderson this week. This sermon was recorded on Thursday, October 7th, 2021 and released on Thursday, October 21st, 2021. This week's message is the second from our revival at Happy Valley Baptist Church. My prayer is that this message is a blessing to you. It moves the Holy Spirit to start a revival in your own life. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the sermon.
1: The more I'm around this gentleman, the more I'm growing to love him. He's a great man of God. Brother Tar Henderson, you come on. Well, good evening. Good evening. I'm glad some of you went ahead and came back tonight. I'm glad to see a few new faces as well. And so I'm thankful for the opportunity to be here once again. And Thank you, Gary, for that nice introduction. You didn't have to say that, but I'll make sure and pay you a little extra on that later. So I appreciate that. And if I could just say, I know that we're not supposed to be jealous, but can I say that I'm a little jealous of you guys, the fact that you all play so well. You know, the Lord just has gifted you guys, and I am just so grateful for that. You know, my dad used to play the guitar, and he did a good job at it. And then my son, he can play the drums, and he can play the guitar. And man, it just skipped right over the top of me. I guess I just settled for the good looks. Is that what it was? (laughs) Maybe that's not it either. I don't know. I just guess maybe I missed out all the way around. So, no, you guys have really been blessing my heart, and I'm... uh, I'm just thankful to have you here serving the Lord, lifting the name of Jesus up. And that's what we're going to continue to do as we worship together, as we study God's word together. You know, I still believe that God's word has power to change our lives. And so that's why we continue to go back and, and look at God's revelation to us. There's a whole lot of books out there, but no book has the power to transform a person's life like the God of the Bible who has spoken in these 66 books, 39 Old Testament, 27 New, that can change our lives. Tonight as we take a look at a passage that comes out of the letter of Paul to the Colossians. We're going to look at that in here in just a few moments. You can turn there if you would and hold your finger there in Colossians chapter 3. That's where we're going to be focusing on. But what I want to ask you the question tonight is, do you ever really think about the big picture of life? You know, there's so many mundane things in life, aren't there? You know, you think about the mundane things of life. Now, you think about we get up, we go to work, we come home, we go to bed, we get up, we go to work, we come home, we go to bed. In this cycle, we have we have birth. In this cycle, we have childhood. In this cycle, we have adolescence. In this cycle, we have... The aging, that's kind of, I think, where I'm in that stage, you know, and, and then we have on from there. But think about so many of the mundane things that we go through, like brushing your teeth. You think about that. Now, my grandmother, she was lived to be 95, my great-grandmother lived to be 97, and before my grandmother passed away, she said, you know what, I just hate to take a bath. You know, now, it wasn't that she wasn't a clean woman, and I would have thought that I would have never felt that way. Now, when I was a child, I got tired of taking a bath. We lived in a small home. We had one bathroom. You had to wait on everybody in the family, and then you got the dirty water at the end. I didn't like to take a (laughs) bath then, okay? But I didn't think at this age that I would hate to take a bath or a shower. But I've come to the point to where I'm like, I've got too many things in life I want to do, and that's just dragging me down, you know? So I just want you to know I did take a shower before coming here. I wouldn't want you to, to think, you know, yeah, that, I, I didn't want to take it that bad. But, you know, you just think about do we have a big picture of life? I think we have to learn the big picture of life. I think it's all about perspective. I think the Bible gives us an understanding of the big picture of life. But I think it's something that we have to learn. There's a story I left off with last night that was speaking about a marathon runner in the 1968 Olympics. Well, I'm going to dive right on in to the 1988 Olympics as I speak about Dan Jansen. Maybe you remember Dan Jansen. He was a speed skater. And Dan Jansen before the 1988 Olympics in Calgary, Canada, he lost his sister Jane. And he wanted so desperately to win a gold medal at the Calgary Olympics in 1988. And he put all of his focus and energy and and, and desire to go and win a medal, but he came up short. You see that's back in the day, you know, when I was just graduating high school and I loved the Olympics and I remember that but you know a little bit later four years later he also went to Albertville France and he came up short again now we're talking about a man who works and works and works and trains and trains and yet he came up short once again but he still had that desire in his heart to win a gold medal and ultimately in memory of his sister Jane four years later He went on once again to Lillehammer, Norway, and he got the gold. And in the middle of setting a gold, he also set a world record. And when they interviewed Dan Jansen, they said, how were you able to go through all of the hardships that you've been through and persevere and keep your focus to be able to win the gold medal? And this is what he said. He said, I don't think I would have always been able to do that. But when I was 12 years old, I would lost a meet, and I was mad. He must have been competitive like I was. I was mad if I lost. I didn't like to lose. And so they were driving home in the car that day, and his dad didn't say a word. He got home. They ate supper. He went on into his room that night to go to bed, and his dad came in and just said this one sentence, Dan Life is not all about skating in circles. And it gave him a whole new perspective on life. Now, Dan Jansen didn't quit skating in circles. He continued to skate in circles and even win a gold medal in 1996. But the fact of the matter is he had a whole new perspective about how to skate in circles with a big picture in life. My friends, I want us tonight to recognize that if we're going to really experience revival, remember last night where we talked about that God has a prescription for us to really experience revival from 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and I will heal their land. Tonight I want us to take a look at Colossians chapter 3 because I believe in the story of Dan Jansen. He had to learn what the big picture of life was all about. And I believe for us tonight that we're going to need to understand the big picture of life and not just going through the motions each day. There are a lot of good things that we can do, but God has a plan that is overarching our little minute details of the day. And I think that he's got a big plan to work in and through us to bring about revival in this church and in this community. Turn with me, if you will, to Colossians chapter 3. I'll be reading out the New American Standard Paul is the one who has written this letter. He was in prison in Rome. Sometime in between 61 to 63 AD, he had written four of the prison epistles. And three of those were probably written during this time as he was writing Colossians, those churches at Colossae, and ultimately Ephesians and Philemon he also wrote at that particular time. But I want us to take a look at four verses. We're going to focus in on four verses tonight, and I hope and pray that God does a wonderful work in your heart as well as He's already done in mine. Follow along with me in your copy of God's Word. Paul the Apostle writes, therefore, anytime you find the word therefore, you need to ask, what's it there for? Okay? therefore in other words he's moving on from something that he's already been talking about in chapters one and two chapters one and two were doctrinal in nature he had already been speaking about the doctrinal issues, how a person is saved, how are they going to live out that, that that relationship with the Lord Jesus who had brought salvation. And now he's going to talk about the practical piece of that, how to live out our lives in a faith journey or a faith walk. And so he begins and he says, therefore If you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with Him in glory. Would you go to the Lord in prayer with me this evening? Heavenly Father, Lord God, we thank you for the privilege of allowing us to be here tonight to praise you, to worship you, to lift your name on high. And Lord God, just as this letter that Paul had written early in the first century, we recognize that it is all about Christ. And we as your people want to be all about Christ. We want to proclaim Christ. We want to practice what He's called us to do in our daily lives. And so, Lord God, I pray tonight that You would open our ears to hear the message that You have laid before us, that You would open our hearts to receive it, and that You would implant the Word deep within us, and it would impact the way that we live from this moment on. In the name of Jesus, we ask and pray. Amen. Amen. As we take a look at this passage here this evening, I want us to understand fully that Paul is all about that what we believe must affect the way we behave. You see, I meet up with people all the time, and I mean all the time, that when I ask them, Are they a born again believer? Or I ask them if they're a Christian, or I ask them if they're a follower of Christ, or I ask them if they're a disciple of Jesus. I have numerous different ways that I will present that question, and over and above, I hear, "Yes, I'm a believer. Yes, I'm a Christian. Yes, I'm 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 a follower of Christ." Over and over and over. But yet so many of the people that I ask that question, I don't see that being lived out in their life my friends our belief ought to affect and change our behavior matter of fact I looked at a post today that I just want to read to you because I thought wow this really does sum it up it says do not think because you believe the right doctrines therefore that you are right there are many that believe right but act wrong and perish You see, our belief ought to change the way that we behave. Our position ought to change our practice. And that's what I want to dive into in the moments that we have together tonight is that Paul was speaking to people that were believers. He was not writing to those that were lost. Now that doesn't mean that Paul doesn't love the lost. He doesn't want to see people know Jesus and come to that understanding of, of the hope that they have in salvation through Jesus Christ. But he was writing to the churches in the Lycus Valley there. He was writing to the churches in Colossae. And he was writing to those people that had a right relationship with Jesus Christ. Positionally, they were perfect. Now let me explain that for just a moment. You see, positionally if you have come into a right relationship with jesus christ you are positionally perfect how do i know that because the bible tells me so romans chapter 8 verse 1 says therefore there is now no condemnation for who for those who are in christ jesus okay so if we have a right relationship with jesus christ positionally we're perfect In other words, our sins have been forgiven, we've been promised eternal life, and we have the hope of meeting Jesus one day for all of eternity. But my friends, there's a problem, and that is practically we're not perfect. In other words, in our day-to-day activities and behaviors, we are not perfect And so what Paul is writing here is that because we're positionally perfect, because we have a new position in Christ, it ought to affect the way that we behave. And so when I want us to see this tonight is that Paul is talking in chapter 2 that there were people that were false teachers. They were bringing a false message saying that you need to be involved in legalism. You need to be involved in mysticism. You need to be involved in asceticism. You need to be involved in all of these isms. It's kind of like the Old Testament and the ites. Well, in the New Testament, we have the isms. Okay? And he's saying, though, those isms are never going to get you any closer to heaven. Those isms are never going to get you any closer into a right relationship with Jesus Christ because Jesus is the one in John 14 6 that says I am the way the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father but through me. And so what is Paul saying? He wants them to understand that they now have a new identity in Christ and because of that their interest must change how do I know that take a look here in verse 1 once again he says therefore if you have been raised up with Christ the word if in this translation the New American Standard should be translated since he already knows that they're a child of God he already knows that they have died with Christ according to verse 3 he is writing to those that are believers he's not asking a question He's saying, for since you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above. What is he speaking of? He's saying that since you have been raised up with Christ, not the resurrection for the end time, all of us who have come to faith in Jesus Christ and trusted Him as Savior and Lord of our life, all of us will meet Jesus in the end. All of us. If we don't die first and Jesus returns, are going to meet together with Jesus in the clouds as He comes. But the fact of the matter is this is not speaking about the end resurrection. It's making an emphasis to show that they are new creatures in Christ Jesus. You see, Paul also had written 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, where he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold all things are new. They are a new creation in Christ Jesus. And so he's saying you've been raised up with Christ. And if you were raised up with Christ. Or since you were raised up with Christ. Because you were raised up with Christ. You need to have new interest. You need to have a new practice in your life. You see, we're always excited when somebody comes to faith in Christ. But I want people that come to know Jesus Christ to recognize we don't clean up our life before we come to Christ. But Jesus is going to clean up our life and transform us into His likeness following when we come to Christ. You see, There needs to be growth. There needs to be transformation. There needs to be the difference in where we were yesterday and the day and where we are today as we follow Christ. That's why Paul stood and in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 1 says these words as he writes those down. Imitate me as I also imitate Christ. The goal here is not for you to look like Pastor Gary. The goal here is not for you to look like the deacons of this church, although they are great deacons from what I hear and also from what I know. The goal is Gary is pointing you as the deacons are in the other leadership to the person of Christ. He's the one that we want to imitate. He's the one that we want to model our lives after. And so the Apostle Paul is saying that because you have a position, a new position in Christ, There ought to be a new pursuit. So let me ask you, before we go any further, do you have a new position in Christ? Do you have a position in Christ that makes you perfect and holy and righteous? You see, because 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 tells us that he who knew no sin became sin on our behalf so that we may have the righteousness of God in him. If you today cannot say with absolute certainty that you stand before holy God, creator of the universe and every person and thing that has ever lived, if you can't say with absolute confidence and assurance and certainty that you know that you're positionally perfect with God, not practically, we'll talk about that, but positionally perfect, now is the time where you need to confess your sin and you need to repent of that sin and you need to ask Jesus to be Savior and Lord of your life. Because you see, The practice in our life is not going to change if we just think that because we come to church, we're going to be right with God. Or because we drop some money in the offering plate. Or because we go visit a widow or widower in the the community. Or because we try to do good things. None of those are going to set us on a path of being positionally right with God. Matter of fact, it tells us in Romans chapter 5, that if you're not positionally right with God, you're still an enemy of God. Now, the fact of the matter is, that doesn't change God's love for you. That's why Jesus could tell us that we ought to love our enemies. God can love his enemies, but them still be enemies. Why? Because he's the one that's granting grace, he's the one that's offering a relationship, and yet there are those that stay away. And reject his offer of salvation and eternal life. But my friends, when we come to this place tonight, I want you to leave here knowing that you have a right relationship with Jesus Christ. But the second thing is, as we move on, is there are many of us who have been saved and walking with the Lord, but are we looking more like Christ? That's where Paul talks about here. He said, it's about our focus. They don't just have a new identity. They must have a new mind in Christ. What is that mind supposed to look like? What is it supposed to be about? Let's take a look here in verse 1 and following. He says, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And then we move on into verse 2 as it says, set your mind on the things above, not on the things of earth. You see, He's calling us to focus on christ remember in that revival uh that 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 pretext there for revival is that we seek god well this is the way that we do that when we allow our minds to be focused on christ now does that mean that we're not going to go to work because we got to stay there in prayer all day long no Does that mean we're not going to be able to fulfill our responsibilities as a parent or grandparent or anything else because we do that? No. But just like Dan Jansen got a bigger view, a a big picture while he was skating in circles, we also can understand that God has called us as His children, as His ambassadors according to 2 Corinthians 5.20 that as we go, As we work, as we relate in our community, there needs to be a spiritual significance behind that. If you're a doctor, you don't need to be a doctor who is a Christian. You need to be a Christian who is a doctor. If you wind up and you're a school teacher, you don't need to be a a school teacher who is a Christian. You need to be a Christian who is a school teacher. And so on and so forth it goes. Why? Because we've been called first and foremost to be a follower of Christ. Changed from the inside out. And now we look differently. Keep seeking the things above. The NIV says set your hearts to. That term means to investigate. To pursue diligently. It reminds me of when I play hide and go seek with my my granddaughter that's five years old. You see, sometimes people likes to go and hide where you can take a little nap and get away. You know, I mean, sometimes when you got little girls hanging all over you everywhere, you get tired, you know. And so when she says, let's play a little hide and go seek, I said, okay, let's go. I'm up for that. And I go try to hide in the most difficult place. I don't want her to find me. We're not playing a game. I'm trying to get some rest. But you know what? She seeks me out. I think she's got a nose that can even smell me. By the way, don't use that against me. I took a shower then too. Every day. She's seeking me out. You see, that's the way that Paul is talking about. That we need to seek the things above. And then he also says that we need to set our mind on. That means to pursue Reminds me of Paul when he's talking about that he forgets the things behind and he presses on to the things, the goal for the call of the the prize in Christ Jesus. He's focused. He's focused on what he wants to accomplish. When we consider that, we need to recognize that he's not just talking about things in heaven that we are looking at a literal thing. We're not to be walking around and thinking about the literal heaven, although that's a great thing. That's going to be a wonderful place that we get to spend for all of eternity. But what he's talking about is virtues. He's talking about things that are godly. Not a literal place of heaven and earth here. He's speaking about set our minds on the things that ultimately are would interest christ set our mind on the virtues and values that christ would have before us so so let's quickly in the time that we have let's think about it what does an identity in christ look like well it looks like being able to live with a purpose for heaven while we're still here on earth It means to be that ambassador that we've been called and saved to be as we relate to people in our community. We're trying to proclaim the truth of Jesus And God's word as a guide to guide them and direct them as a map for our life. And so that's what it looks like to have an identity in Christ. We're not having an identity by the world. We're not having an identity because of our job. We have an identity because Christ has given us salvation and eternal life. That's our identity. Second thing is when we think about our focus on time. How do we spend our time? It says over in a parallel uh, book that Paul had written also in prison there in Ephesians chapter 5 he said it this way in verse 15 and 16 Therefore be careful how you walk not as unwise men but as wise making the most of your time because the days are evil. Do you make the most of your time In a significant way that would honor the Lord. I'll tell you what. (laughs) This little phone right here. It's the biggest time waster that we have in our world today. Now. I'm not going to say that this phone. Or the internet. Or social media. Is of the devil. I'm not going to go that far. I'm saying that this phone. And so many of the pieces in there are neutral, okay? They're neither good nor bad. But how we use them, my friends, is a whole different aspect. You can begin to use your phone for so many good things. They've become what we think of as a necessary part of our life. But you can also use this phone in so many ways that would distract you from being on mission with God time waster what about our money and you say oh pastor what, what are you doing talking about our money our money's our money no your money's not your money your money is God's money and you're to be a steward of God's money and when we think about money I love the fact that money is not the root of all evil what is according to first Timothy chapter six the root of all evil the love of money it's that absolute focus and obsession upon the money and that's why Jesus spoke on the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6 when he said do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust don't destroy and thieves can't break up and steal and then how does he close that because where your treasure is there is where your heart is all also so I'm going to get in your business where's your heart because where your money is at that's where your heart's at and then your virtues are you a man or woman of character a man or woman of integrity do you live out that life focused on the things that would honor the Lord Jesus The one who gave his life 2,000 years ago shed his blood on the cross to bring about redemption for you and for me. You see, the life focused on heaven or above looks a lot different than the things focused on this earth. A life focused on the things of earth may look like a whole lot of greed, a whole lot of lust, a whole lot of obsession with things of this world. Matter of fact, the Apostle John, in whom we spoke about last night from Revelation, as we see in 1 John chapter 2, he writes these words that are so fitting as we think about our t- world today. He says in verse 15-17 through 17 in chapter 2, Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away and also its lust, but the one who does the will of God lives forever. So what does our lives look like? Lives that are focused on the things above the The wonderful values and virtues that would honor the Lord Jesus? Or are they things focused on in the material? Those temporal things that will pass away one day. There's a story told by Tony Evans as he was thinking through the scientific piece of the moon. And when we think about it, the moon has no light in and of itself. But you see when the sun reflects off of the moon it shines a beautiful bright light. The moon has no power or light in and of itself. But as the sun shines that reflection from the sun off the moon shines. And we get to see some of the beautiful New Mexico full moons. And then sometimes we see just three quarters of a moon. Sometimes we see a half a moon. Sometimes we see just that little sliver and sometimes when an eclipse happens we don't see any moon at all. But you see what takes place is the sun never stops shining. Sun's always shining. But in the middle of its shining in the orbit the earth gets in between the sun and the moon and it goes dark. I believe that that's the way many of us as believers are. The sun is shining. And just as Matthew 5.16 talks about, as Jesus said, let your light so shine before men and they will see your good works and glorify your your Father who is in heaven. When we think about that, that we are to be the church that reflects the light of Jesus Christ, oftentimes the light of Jesus is not shining in us. And it's because the world has gotten in the way. We've taken our eyes off Christ and we've placed our eyes on the things of the world. I believe that if we're going to solve this problem there needs to be a level of repentance. There needs to be a coming to an understanding of having a new perspective just like Dan Jansen had. This new perspective is a new expectation about what Christ has in store for our lives. So I want to read these final two verses and I want to close as we take a look as Paul writes in verse 3 and 4. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. In other words, he's talking about a past reality. You have died. When you came to know Jesus Christ as Savior, your old life was passed away and now you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. You're dead to the old life. You're dead to the old self. And then he said, when Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with Him in glory. You see, I believe that when we think about this present reality of being hidden with Christ, it means as Paul spoke about in Galatians chapter 2 verse 20, I am crucified with Christ and nevertheless I live. But what? Christ lives in me. When people see you, do they just see you? Or do they see Christ? Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 1 verse 21, For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. I think as we take a look at this passage in Colossians chapter 3, it helps us to have a more realistic view of the big picture of what we're to be about as believers. We need to be focusing on the things that would excite Christ in our life. We need to focus on being the people that would honor Christ and imitate Christ to where people can see Christ in us. If not, we're going to go through a whole lot of taking showers, a whole lot of brushing teeth, Whole lot of washing dishes. Don't you just get tired of washing dishes? It's like my wife saw a little sign that said, the dishes are looking at me dirty again. <laughs> just just dirty. And if you don't wash them, they don't clean themselves. They stay dirty. So I say all that to say, my friends, that we can get bogged down in life, can't we? I'm no different. Your pastor is no different. These musicians are no different. Your deacons are no different. We all have to do life. and Sometimes life gets tiring. But when we begin to focus our energy and effort and, and, and focus on Christ he can make a change in our life to where we get up every morning with purpose and a renewed sense of joy in the opportunity of serving him I want to ask Terry if he'll come tonight and just softly play on the piano and I don't know whether tonight has the Lord has spoken to you But I want to give you an opportunity because I always want to give an opportunity for you to respond. You see, I can't see inside your heart and see what God is doing. I can't see inside your mind to know what you're thinking. But God does. And if God, through His Holy Spirit, has laid upon you tonight a conviction about an area where you're not living for Him, would you just bring that to Him tonight? Would you just come before him and confess that? To confess means to agree with God about what he already is saying about that. Would you do that tonight and repent of that and be restored and cleansed once again? If there's anybody here tonight that doesn't have a right relationship with Jesus, I would invite you. Today is the day of salvation, Paul said. I can't think of a better day than to start your new life in Christ today. Today. Would you bow with me? Heavenly Father, Lord God, we come to you tonight and we praise you and thank you because we know that you have given your one and only Son to die on a cruel cross some 2,000 years ago to pay the payment for sin. And to offer us the free gift of salvation. And Lord God, I just pray that if there are those tonight that have never trusted Jesus as Savior, that tonight would be the night that they would do so. That they would come and they would take Brother Gary by the hand as he stands before them. And they would just express to him that I need to be right with Jesus. I need to be right with the Father. Lord God, for all the rest that are here tonight that maybe they have been walking with the Lord, but they've begun to look a little different in their life than looking more like Christ, I pray that they would just listen, be still before your Holy Spirit, and allow him to speak in his still small voice tonight. And as he speaks, if there's anything that they need to respond to, to confess. I pray that they would do that tonight and that, Lord God, that you would do a work in their life. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Thank you for listening to the message today. I pray that you know Jesus as your personal Savior. If you do not know Jesus as your personal Savior and would like to talk with someone, we would love to talk with you. We are in the Carlsbad, New Mexico area at 4103 West Texas Street. Sunday school starts at 930 a.m., and Sunday morning services start at 10.45 a.m. We also have a Wednesday night Bible study that meets at 6 p.m. We encourage you to get connected to a local church in your community and get involved in spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. To stay up to date on all the happenings at Happy Valley Baptist Church, you can go to facebook.com hvbcnm. That is facebook.com hvbcnm as in Happy Valley Baptist Church, New Mexico. To find additional podcast sermons, you can go to podcast.hvbcnm.org. Thank you and God bless.